Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. On today's edition, the bowl season is upon us. Why the Pac-12 can't recruit. Coaches are getting fat. And how gender reveal parties are threatening America's existence. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports College podcast, pre-Christmas edition. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy New Year. Enjoy the end of the year. I'm Dan Wetzel, joined by Pete Thamel, Pat Forty. As always, uh, the bowl season has begun, gentlemen. Most wonderful time of the year is how ESPN kind of does it. I would not go that far, but it is fun that pretty much any day, time, and night, or whatever, you can flick on a game and something's happening. May not always be good, uh, but something is happening. Uh, a, an update to an earlier claim I made. We here are accountable for our for our misstatements. The Cure Bowl does exist. barely i thought maybe it didn't and it was just a scam and there really was no cure bowl and it wouldn't get played and espn wouldn't even realize it but it did occur tulane defeated louisiana uh in orlando and uh that's all i know about it so congratulations (laughs) to tulane and i'm glad we are this much closer to a cure something what is it Breast so i'm gonna cancer? i'm gonna chime in on my favorite curable moment first of all it was on cbs sports network so you can't blame this one on espn I'm sorry the that's other... why i didn't see it yes no exactly um uh, i i was actually watching it on saturday with my friend Derek lynch who's a loyal podcast listener and he made a great point like there were only probably two thousand people at the cure bowl that's just a blind baseless estimate but there were not a lot of humans in the stands so you had everybody clustered at the 50 and then the bands were like tucked in the corner so there was just this huge swath of empty <laughs> they seats. They couldn't like give 40. a band better they seats. They didn't give the bands like like put them on the twenty. You know, like they were they were like dead in the coffin corner, and it was just like weirdly isolated from everything else. So, you know what? Because they had to pay for the band to sit. It's one yes. of the great bowl scams. Is the band has to pay to get in, and they charge yeah. like the tuba guy is like two seats because you got to put the tuba. <laughs> Like the big bowls, and then they make them pay two seventy five for a ticket, and cr- like they're giving you a free halftime show. What? So bad. Plus, they got to come for like three nights and stay at a specific hotel for a bad rate. These things are so great. Uh, I remember the Papa John when they. Is the Papa John bowl still happening? 
Did they it, get rid of that because it's like racist now or something? Yeah, no, Papa John's bowl uh, is dead. It's now the, okay, uh, Papa the John Jared and the Birmingham Papa John, yes. bowl, I think. So, okay, well, they had the Papa yes. John bowl at the uh, Birmingham that uh, whatever the Iron Bowl, and uh, yeah, Legion Field. They they put all the fans on one side to try to make yeah. it look okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so the fans, I can't remember who was playing, but they didn't like it because they were like, well, I want to be on our side. They made everyone go over there like a movie. But then because <laughs> all the people were on one side, the concession lines, even though there weren't many people there, got overwhelmed and they ran out of pizza at the Papa John Bowl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Big complaints. Oh, I did <laughs> Nothing says bowl scam better than like 8,000 people in an 80,000 seat stadium all made to sit on one side for TV. <laughs> I remember one year, too, is another one. You know, those bowl reps, right? They travel around going to games, scouting the teams, supposedly. With the obnoxious jackets, yeah. like they have like bright orange jackets for the Orange Bowl. They all are ridiculous. Uh, yeah. One of the years, it was Alabama and LSU were playing. I think they were one and two in Tuscaloosa. And the Papa John Bowl had two two scouts with, with seats in the press box. I'm like, oh, really, Papa John Bowl? You take one of these guys? <laughs> if you got yeah. Glad you're here to make yeah. sure that the Crimson Tide might be good enough for the Papa John Bowl. I mean, you're scoring free tickets. They're up there at the hot dog line. Like, this is great. If the tide bus hey, crashes, they maybe the third team could be in the Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have – there's few people I have less contempt – I have so much contempt for those bull guys in the jackets. Like, how much money are you wasting? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, they should start a charity effort where they don't fly these guys to bulls every week and they just give the money to something. Because, like, what are you scouting – at the stadium that you can't scout when you're at home. Like, what's what's the point? Hey. These are all slotted pretty much anyway. Like, I don't know. Like, I see those guys, and I am like, these are the biggest scam artists on earth. Can't and play the players. Sports writers who are I, I know that to artists. be true. I know that to be true. They're the biggest scam artists on the face of the planet because a buddy of mine is one of them. This is hilarious. A guy that I've been in a fantasy football league with since 1990 who was like a – a small college pitcher and he's a salesman. And all of a sudden I'm at like Notre Dame against USC and up he comes walking in one of those jackets. I was like, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm a bull rep now. I say, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me. They'll let you be one. Anybody can do this. I want to be a bull rep. This is that's a, one of the oh. best scams going. Oh, one time in Nebraska, they were given a police escort for the bowl reps to drive to their parking spot, like right <laughs> next to the thing. A couple of them are in my hotel and they're like, we're going over. We got a police escort. So we, for what? There was the great John Junker whose expense oh. account. Now he ended up getting arrested. I mean, he got indicted for this, but his expense account, oh, yeah. I, I, the number, I think I still know the number I mean, we had. It. Boy, he was a hero. I, I dedicated <laughs> The second edition of <laughs> Death to the BCS to John Junker, just for proving us right. But he spent $1,333 a day on average for an entire year, 365 days. That was his expense account. Okay, that's Come how much on. money he spent as a, on business travel. Now, that doesn't count. He had three cars on four golf memberships, four country clubs. 
and three cars. It was like $2,700 a month in car allowance. What are you oh. buying? And that, uh, and that he was spent, not counted in? No, that didn't count. He On his Amex, he put up 1300 a day. That was the average. It was like 700-something, whatever. I can't remember whatever the number was. We're like, it's, how? It's, yeah, it's basically half a million a year. And yeah, expenses, it was not counting his cars or his golf clubs. No, club. cars. Four golf clubs. Four. One was in Oregon because his brother lived right nearby the place in Oregon. So we just assume his brother got to use it. I don't know. But, okay, like you could spend, if you spent $1,300 in a day, okay, you'd have to be in like Midtown Manhattan, right? Like steak. I mean, it, but then what do you do the next day? And the next day, it was like, <laughs> right. what are you guys doing? And they're like, and then they'd give like, well, we gave twelve grand to the Cure Foundation. <laughs> That's all our money left. Like, so one of my favorite stories I did the past few years was I went and found John Junker, who now works for the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul, a Catholic-founded charity in Phoenix, and he basically now serves the homeless, like, and does some sort of outreach stuff. And it was, let's put it this way: spending a day there was quite a contrast between. I mean, we. We all saw John Junker in his prime, you know, picking up bar tabs and, uh, yeah, like just the stuff he did was ridiculous. Wasn't there like a famous $90,000 golf outing with 90000 with the, they played with Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, sorry. Jack Nicholas, yeah. yeah. He bought a $1,000 yeah. bottle of wine. There was the, I mean, it was, uh, he spent 33 grand on his own birthday party. <laughs> 33 grand. Yes. <laughs> um, it was his daughter's wedding expensed. Uh, one time he bought like, it was like a thousand golf, golf balls or something. Yeah. The, the Jack Nicholas golf thing. Then one time aging clinic, $7,000 for human yeah, growth. There was, yeah, growth hormones. Clinic. <laughs> I mean, the Fiat, the orange bowl had a cruise every year where they take all the, oh, yeah, all right. the ADs and stuff oh, yeah. and the commissioners free cruise. Yep. There was one where they decided to get, um, politicians, they wanted to show them the, um, I think this was Junker. I think this was in Fiesta Bowl. They wanted to, you know, teach them about college football. So they're going to take all these uh, politicians in Arizona to a big college football game, right? So they understand the passion and why they should give tax breaks to and get government funding into the damn Fiesta Bowl. <laughs> and so the trip was to a Boston college game. <laughs> Yeah, because that'll, that'll show you Boston's the a great place. Yeah, because Boston's yeah. a great place to visit, opposed to like you know, no offense, but you know, whatever, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, what pageantry of college football did you you know? <laughs> did you walk the streets of Boston and hear them all talking yeah. about the NFL? Like nobody even knows <laughs> there's a team there. Oh, so great. That was a sixty. I have this story up. It was a sixty-five thousand uh, dollar trip to Boston for the legislators and their families to attend a BC game. And I can assure you that $65,000 was not the cost of the tickets because they pretty much give them away. (laughs) Who did BC play in in this, in this, you know, epic display of college basketball fervor, college football fervor. 
I don't know. I don't have that. I just have a a rundown of okay. uh, excesses. And uh, yeah, it's the fiftieth birthday party at Pebble Beach for thirty three grand. The human growth hormone for seven grand. Uh, strippers for twelve hundred. Uh, the four the four golf memberships for eighteen grand. I think that's a Jeopardy Jack category. Strippers for twelve hundred. <laughs> I think he got a good deal on that. Actually, yeah. He was- <laughs> I mean, probably wasn't his first dalliance there. Uh, yeah. Oh no. And, okay. Uh, so here's the number. One year they got to seven hundred and seventy thousand on his on his Amex. Wow. Oh my. Seven seventy. That guy's got flyer miles to the moon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Seven hundred on expenses. His thirteen hundred and thirty dollar a day expenses was on his Amex Black was averaged over ten years. Every day for 10 years, he figured out how to spend $1,330 a day on average, obviously. So, again, like greatest things ever. And then he'd be like, wow, we just we got to charge those uh, got to charge the band to come to because they host a couple bowls. Right. All right. And he got paid like eight, nine hundred grand. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. We got to charge the band two seventy five a ticket and that tuba. I'm giving a free seat for the tuba. So it was interesting doing that story a couple years ago because the title game was in Phoenix. And uh, so I called a bunch of people about John Junker. And I will say this, like he did have like a charisma to him. You know, oh, like there he was, was he like was a he, charmer. Ain't no doubt about yes. it. Yes. No, there he was like, that, like everybody people were dinner like, for 10 years. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was like like I just remember, like I called Steve Spurrier straight out of the blue and he loved John Junker called Urban Meyer. He was like, man, that guy was spe-. like, Urban Meyer doesn't like anybody. And he was just like, man, Shelly and I love that guy. Like, and it was like on and on every phone call. Kevin White, like these guys were like, hey, give John my number. Uh, how's John? Like it was, it was a very interesting thing because he was such a factor. It's hard to quantify to people who aren't in the sport. Like John Junker was at every game every weekend. Seemingly he was at all these meetings. My favorite Junker story was I was at the BCS meetings in New Orleans. They used to have those every year in the spring. And uh, he traveled with security. He had his own security detail that flew from Phoenix to New Orleans with him. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> it was yes, <laughs> I know. yeah, unbelievable. I, I'll never forget that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, someone else from the Fiesta Bowl who traveled with him told me that. I was like, wait a minute. He flew here with his own security. He's like, yeah, yeah he was paranoid. What did so. the security do? That protected him, Pat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure from what, but yeah. Here's another one. One time he bought $20,000 golf, bo- golf balls. Jeez. 20000 I mean, guy, get a lesson if you're going to lose that many golf balls. <laughs> I mean, so- obviously... Some of this was like I said I bought twenty thousand dollars golf balls and I probably didn't. I don't know, but like, what would you? Where would you store twenty thousand? Well, if you wrote off anti aging hormone, what aren't you writing off? You know what I mean? And stripper like. But it, when people say, "Why do we have a fourteen playoff?" I'm like, "You cannot." It took so long to get to this because they all love John Junker and they can't sure screw with John Junker. Yep. Like that's the thing. They'd be like, "Wow, we got to include John in this." Like he's part of the team. It's like he's not. It's a private business. Like, it's not part of the team. Like, nobody oh, runs the AFC championship game except the AFC <laughs> or whatever, the NFL. Like, there's no 
There's no subcontracting out your playoffs. And but it's like, oh, this guy's a great guy. Well, yeah, he bought you drinks for a decade. Incredible. Incredible. And then charge you. And then like UConn went to that bowl and lost like five million dollars somehow. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And you that that was literally the last time anybody's heard of UConn doing anything good in football. Yeah, they're they're still broke. They're collecting cans up in stores and stuff like trying to. Hey, Dan, you'll be you'll be happy that in this uh, story I wrote for Sports Illustrated, the second edition of the book Death of the BCS by Dan Wetzel, Josh Peter and Jeff Passan was dedicated to Junker for essentially proving the author's correct while writing the first edition. That's what he said. We did. We were really mean. I know it really surprised you guys. Man, those bowl guys freaking hated me. They still do, I'm sure. I just print their salaries and stuff. They give. I had one request. A guy took someone got me a message from a bowl, bowl major bowl director saying uh, he wants. Could you please stop printing his salary in the on the internet? And so I uh, printed no. it three no, more times. Like that's if has he figured out yet that telling me what not to do is not a good way. <laughs> By the way, there's just a great random photo of John Junker and Charlie Weiss in here that it just made me laugh. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I remember remember there was a bowl, a picture once from, uh, I think it was the Orange Bowl when Kansas went and it said, it was like, uh, Coach Mangino is, uh, there was a photo of Mangino and the and that orange, their mascot. It's like this big oh, orange. Yeah, and they yeah. got, there's Mangino <laughs> and the Orange Bowl mascot. Oh, yeah. Mangino is on the left. <laughs> 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 that's tremendous <laughs> oh man yeah well whatever uh so what what do we got so far i i watched fresno play um i thought they were terrific really good team yeah um i think they got screwed having to play arizona state like they deserved a better game See? and this is one of my problems but that's the problem I love the, the I, ma- i'm not the guy i'm not the guy that says there's too many bowl games like if if I don't watch, like they don't make you watch. Okay, so there's yeah. a game on. I don't see it. Whatever, play more football the better. I like it, but they got to do a better job setting some of these games up. I mean, just because you the have mount- a procedure and a, this isn't a surgery. Okay, the this mount- isn't like the Mountain West Conference champion is basically thanklessly stuck in the Las Vegas Bowl against like the seventh place. Pac-12 team. That's the way it works out. This is one of the reasons the bowl setup stinks is because even when you get a really good Mountain West Conference champion like the Fresno, this is their ceiling. You know, that's what you'd get Boise a lot of times playing in that game when Boise was good. There was one time, thankfully, they matched them up with a good TCU team and they played a good Las Vegas Bowl. But it's, you know, that's one of the reasons this whole system stinks. You can be an 11-2 and Uh, Mountain West champion, and the best the best you're going to get is a shot at a seven and five ASU team. Yeah, I want better games. UCF and Florida should be playing. That's the number one mistake of this year's bowl season. Is it should not oh, be ten ten thousand percent. I will say this about the Las Vegas Bowl: we have to give uh, we have to give props to uh, a, a early candidate for 2019 Man of the Year, Dave Boyt 
who broke oh, yeah. his leg jumping onto the field celebrating the father of a Fresno State dance team member was so excited and then took like giddy selfies in the ambulance celebrating his uh his basically his leg breaking because the Bulldogs now that is like a dedicated fan That's that is fan. that is the kind of guy this podcast needs That's a good fan right there <laughs> Yeah He's chanting Fresno State. Like his daughter Fresno is like State taking when selfies. They were, when they were putting him on yeah. the gurney. She's got like a bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pat, what do you think of the Bulls so far? What do you got? I'm filled with hatred and rage. Um, I know that's surprising <laughs> and out of character, but uh, I, I am furious at Eastern Michigan, which uh, – <laughs> You know, At least you care. I think that you, somebody cares is a, is a big step forward for Eastern Michigan. Go ahead. Please <laughs> enlighten true. us into your anger well, about this program. Okay. So I have <laughs> picked Eastern Michigan to beat Georgia Southern to cover the one point <laughs> spread there. They were a one point dog and they're in perfect position to do it. They drive. They have this unbelievable drive. They're no good. Right? So this, this arduous drive downfield and they, Score of the winning touchdown, what should have been the winning touchdown. Go ahead with like, you know, three minutes to play, 21 to 20 over Georgia Southern. It's, you know, time to rejoice in Ypsilanti. They're going to win their first bowl game in 30 <laughs> years since the Raisin Bowl of 1988. And uh, then Georgia Southern gets one last chance, and Georgia Southern cannot throw the football, all right? They're terrible. They do not throw. They are an option team. They run the ball. They are driving a little bit. They get to midfield, and they've got a fourth and ten with like a minute left. And their little itty-bitty quarterback, who cannot throw, drops back, fourth and ten. And he's run the ball 180 times this year. He's passed it 116. So he is a running threat, all right? We've established that. <laughs> they drop eight in coverage, but don't spy him at all. And so what does he do? He drops back, goes, huh, I guess I'll just run for 20. And run straight up the middle for 20 yards. And then they kick the winning field goal on the last play. And I am filled with hatred and rage for the Eastern Michigan defensive staff for that. <laughs> Spy the running we quarterback. To... <laughs> we need to keep some kind of like tally of pot shots Pat takes at uh, Chris Creighton, the Eastern Michigan coach. Which, by the way, does a pretty good job. Um, just out of like lingering bitterness. One of the great things about Pat is like he just doesn't let that go. No. He's going to be this pissed about it in August. Like Eastern Michigan's oh, going to open up with some team. And Pat will have so much bile still towards Eastern Michigan. It That's will right. be, uh, it is always, I could tell like right as it unfolded in real time. I was just like, oh, oh this is going to be great. But he, he will, he will cheer. And then Chris Crane will get fired in four years. And Pat will be like, well, if you just spied the quarterback in the Camellia Bowl, things would be different. Happened. That's right. Camellia yes, the Bowl over rage. Under on, <laughs> the over-under on years this will rage inside Pat is four and a half. And I would take the over. Sounds right. This is, yeah, this is tense, man. This is tense. <laughs> All right. Um, early signing period starts Wednesday. We're moving on to recruiting. Now, I don't like the early signing period because I liked old signing day because it was – just it was like a, a February college football holiday. You, 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 you watch the, the ridiculous antics, the late flips, the, the, the kind of like those like just roughly produced TV programs. They said people everywhere. And it's like 
they bring these recruiting guys out of the out of their darkened offices and throw them on TV, and they're just babbling about guys. And <laughs> it, 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 fans are losing their mind over this kid picking, and we're gonna go live to some like just nowhere town in South Georgia, and like the whole country. Oh no, what's gonna happen? And you know, and the kid will pull out a you know walk an elephant into the room to say signing with Alabama. I just loved it, <laughs> loved it all. More absurd, the better. We lose that with this early signing period. It just, it's like, it, it just split it in half. Instead of having two great days, we kind of have less. Um, but it's here, so this is what we got to do. Uh, the big recruiting news over the weekend was a kid named Kayvon Thibodeau, a defensive end from L.A. I think I said his last name right, sending like the city in uh, Louisiana. But he's from Louisiana, uh, from Los Angeles, not from Louisiana. Uh, he is a defensive end, number one ranking by ESPN. He's number 10 by rivals. He picked Oregon, and he picked him over Alabama, Florida State, and Florida. Now, this is one player isn't really usually that big of news, but it is in this case because he is the only top 50 player per rivals to commit to a Pac-12 school. He is the only five-star going to a Pac-12 school at this point. Uh, Oregon has a good recruiting class, fifth in the rivals' rankings overall. They are, they have a few top 100 players, number 55, 72, a couple more. Stanford has a, a running back from Oakland who's ranking 75th. That's about it. The Pac-12 is getting nobody. Oregon's fifth, Stanford 22, Cal is 31, USC, the Trojans 34th. Uh, albeit with seven four stars. Now, when it comes to recruiting classes, I think once you get past like the t- the top twenty or twenty five, it's mostly a wash. Nobody knows which three stars are better than which three stars, right? So we could be ranked twenty eighth, you could be ranked forty eighth. It, it's probably similar. Um, obviously, there's better three stars than not. That's why UCF and Fresno and Boise can be really good, but. Um, and coaches will tell you they got all their diamonds in the rough and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter, right? It does matter. Okay, Alabama is number one because they signed the number one class virtually every year. Uh, historically, you must have three top ten recruiting classes on campus to win a national title. If you do not have that, you can't do it. That's why I think Notre Dame has had a great season, and they are a very good team. But their their recruiting classes are all number eleven or thirteen the last four years. Not quite enough talent to win this. Um, you can talk all you want about the rest of it, but you got to have stars. I remember Brian Kelly once saying he thought Alabama's big advantage in the playoffs in the bowl is they have so much depth they can practice in December like full on because they just got eighty kids that are four stars or up. Um, so look, you want to get these kids. Sorry, uh, Pac twelve to me, guys. They got to do something. Um, their recruiting is terrible. Uh, their buzz is terrible. The people aren't watching. They keep getting eliminated from the playoffs super early. There's just it's very hard for the Pac-12 to go to other parts of the country and say, "Come play for us." When and I think the Big Ten's having this issue too. If you look at now that Urban's out. There's really only Michigan and maybe Penn State recruiting at a high level. Ohio State will do fine, but it's not going to be that top three classes right now. When other leagues can say, why are you going up there? They don't play in the playoff. And 
why st- come 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 leave LA and come to the Big Twelve, the SEC or the ACC? We make the playoff. I think it is a huge thing on the recruiting trail, and that's why I think Larry Scott's crazy if he's not banging the drum to get some kind of way to get an automatic bid and expand this field because then he can say his season's relevant. Right now, they're not relevant, and it's showing up on on, on this. Uh, Pete, what do you think of the the Pac-12's just recruiting f- troubles right now, if you will? Well, I don't want to be what Oregon State President Ed Ray would call like a negative sports blogger, I believe was the, was his term. But that league has Angry just been in a sports down- blogger mob, I think it was. Mob, sorry. Oh, is three enough for a mob? Do we constitute a mob? No, we're disorganized. Um, we're too disorganized. Okay, that, that is true. That is true. If I, read the, if I read the emails and texts about the pod, we might be a mob, but I yeah. don't. So we're not. Um, so I really feel like this is... I don't ever remember a league collectively having a worse stretch than the Pac-12 is right now, both on and off the field. On the field, uh, there were buzzless, virtually starless. The season just played out in complete irrelevancy from the end of September on. Uh, USC is... I don't know if it's a mess, but it's certainly not relevant nationally right now. They have JT Daniels there. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury comes in with his Ray-Bans on a horse and with his guns up and saves the day there, but I, I doubt it. Um, Chip Kelly's got a ways to go. Uh, Arizona, just okay. Oregon's recruiting well. Uh, game management really cost Oregon this year, though, so there's still some questions about the, the crystal ball era that I, think are, uh, that I think are prevalent when you go forward. So on the field, bad. Off the field, really awful stretch for the Pac-12. Um, they obviously had the officiating scandal. They didn't handle it well. There's been numerous follow-ups that have exposed their rent prices. The Oregonian did a great series that showed just how lavish the spending was for how little they've gotten back. And basically, the Pac-12's play is this, and it's actually interesting. Like, they went and they own their network that no one watches or can get. And I actually do get the Pac-12 network and occasionally watch. It, but it's not an HD here in Boston for some reason. So it's uh, it's it's almost like that glaring reminder that even though I'm one of the few humans on earth who can watch the Pac-12 network, they're still somehow screwing it up. Um, they're, they're, in a, uh, they're in a place where the product is bad, the leadership is bad. If you talk to other commissioners and other ADs, they're all waiting for Larry Scott to get fired. They can't fire Larry Scott because he makes $5 million a year. Um, but this is their play, and it's fascinating. So they basically own their entire media company, right? Like Big Ten owns like half or 49%. Fox owns the other half of the Big Ten network, which has been a cash cow, whatever. The the Pac-12's play has been a long play that they're going to own everything, right? So as media diversifies, et cetera, there was a very positive story, I believe in Sports Business Journal in December, that said the Pac-12 long-term is actually really well positioned because of this network. But the problem is in four or five years when that comes into play – is there going to be anything worth watching? Like, okay, maybe Amazon wants to buy it. Maybe Hulu wants to buy it. Maybe Netflix wants it, Whatever it is. Like, the, the the world is more diverse. And, and maybe this play by keeping all that, all that network capital is going to go. But the problem is you have to give people a reason to watch. Right now, and I know Pat has the basketball stats. They are just putrid. They look like they'll be a one-bid league. UCLA is going to fire their basketball coach. USC is under federal investigation. Oregon's been implicated in the investigation. Arizona's a mess because of the investigation. And Sean Miller's certainly going to be in limbo there for for a while until all this federal stuff clears. Like, 
their their marquee products in basketball are horrible. Their marquee products in football are clearly a step behind. The league is clearly a step behind in revenue overall, which is going to get them further back. And it's like maybe they make this play and have a cash cow, and I think it's 2023 or 24 when all that comes into focus. But right now, like the product may have atrophied to a point right now that no one will know what they were missing, if that, if that makes sense. Like, if you don't have high-end football and high-end basketball, when you go to market and you're clearly established as a second-tier league, which it's trending that way right now, both on the field and in revenue, um, I don't really know how you can justify a huge, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and it, uh, for someone to get a network of a product that nobody really appears to want to watch. So the Pac-12 is in a in a serious jam right now, and they need some positive momentum. Can you think of one, other than Kayvon Thibodeau's commitment, can you think of one positive Pac-12 storyline from this season? No, that's well, it. Coach that's... Leach was entertaining. Coach yeah. Leach. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, it. That's true. That's true. But that's not really something to hang your hat on. Yeah. Look, they have to recruit better. I mean, this is where it starts. The stuff isn't a mystery. The, 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 you can sit in boardrooms and come up with all the talk about this and this and this, this plan and that plan, you have to get players to come to your teams. That's it, okay? If you don't have players, you don't win. And so they're trying to compete against the other teams in the country, and it's like going into the NFL and saying, we don't want any first or second round picks. Let's try it this way. I mean, can I trade my one and my two for a couple fives? They have one five-star, 46 four-stars committed to the entire Pac-12, okay? The SEC has 12 five-stars and 121 four-stars. Now, okay, that's the SEC, but still, like, you have to get recruits. What is causing you, all of a sudden, for kids not to want to play at these schools? You have, God knows they got the facilities. They've still, the same, the schools haven't moved, okay? The locations are the same. Some of the coaches are going to be good. Some of the coaches aren't going to be good, right? Obviously, USC being down right now is a big factor in this. Uh, UCLA, I know PE said they're being very selective. They have 13 kids committed right now, and only two of them are four stars. That's selective. Um, they're not getting players. And so if you don't get the players now, it is highly unlikely that three years from now you're suddenly in the playoff or there's all these Heisman Trophy candidates tearing up your league so that everyone's sitting there saying, hey, I got to watch. Um, they have to think what has changed, what has changed with the national environment, what are we not doing? It's not, uh, you know, is, your, is it your TV coverage? Is it your lack of national competitiveness? Is it the playoff? What has changed? that all of a sudden none of these great players are going to the Pac-12. Uh, at least, you know, again, signing day is not done, but it is not trending well for these schools. And that should be what is dominating discussion in the Pac-12 offices and all their meetings. I don't know what they're doing, but they need to be talking about that. Uh, yeah, no, it's systemic from the bottom to the top. Start at the grassroots level, as you said. You're not being able to recruit. Uh, you know, I'm looking here. They've got – one team in the rivals top 15 team rankings right now they've got three in the top 30 you get down 60 colorado 61 ucla 62 arizona they're all behind north texas and temple all right you got problems in terms of getting the players secondly do you have good enough coaches 
You've got USC, which could afford the best coaches, and they're sticking with Clay Helton. Uh, reason to be concerned there. Then above that, leadership of the conference. Larry Scott has been a debacle, and the erosion of trust of the the officiating because of the, the, what went on there. Uh, you know, they've just got problems across the board. And then you get into the basketball, the basketball side of it. Yeah, it's it's awful. They have no quality wins this year as a conference, like none. Arizona State won at Georgia. Georgia is bad. That may be the best win the entire conference has had. They've got a bunch of losses to a bunch of bad teams. They've got nobody in the Ken Pomeroy top 30 in basketball. So they could very well be a one-bid league because when you bring no non-conference to the table, they're just going to be a bunch of mediocre teams beating themselves in conference play. It's not going to move the needle. So it's uh, – it's across the board. They've got problems. And they, as you, Dan, you said the, the locations are still in locations. Why are there not kids that are dying to go to USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, uh, just for great places to live and to go to school? Uh, it's very surprising to me. But it's, uh, it's leadership, I think, going from the very top of the conference uh, all the way down. Hey, thankfully, Stanford did win the uh, NCAA Volleyball Championship on Saturday. I'm sure that will – uh, have the conference beating its conference of champions chest again. So could we start to get the, those. beat the drum to get Brooke to transfer from Stanford? Is the Pac-12 yeah, that bad? What is this? <laughs> no, no, they're they're okay in swimming. Trust me. <laughs> Eastern Michigan has got an open spot for Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> they have a pool. If they I'm get sure. rid of Chris Creighton, the co- the football coach. Oh, then. is that the deal? Is that the deal? She'll bring her Stanford. They can be national champs. There you go. Actually, Eastern Michigan killed their swimming program. So, oh, not so a local, not a empty. destination. They get a hose out and fill that thing back up. I mean, it's not that. <laughs> can't be that hard. Um, I don't know. It's 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 not good out west. But uh, this is honestly, I I don't think that. I, I don't know what Larry Scott's doing, but I don't think these AD, I think most of these commissioners, some of them are out of touch at the little stuff like this. Like if you're not terrified that you're not signing great players because you're screwed in a few. Like I said, historic, you need three top 10 classes on campus to win a national title. OK, if Notre Dame is 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 at your outlier and they're they have four top 13 classes on campus. None of these Pac-12 teams are going to be good enough. In a few years, like you're going to go right. years and years without making the playoff or you're going to get in and, and the big Ten's not a whole lot farther behind it. This will be the fourth straight year. The big 10 did not score a point in the playoff. Yeah, right. Right. And like, and that's, that's that these kids don't remember five years back. Okay. Your neck, your class of 2020 isn't sitting there going, Oh yeah. Like you've got to do something. And I, they're not, they're not getting it done right now. How is USC um, number 34? They have seven four-stars. I don't quite know how the little ranking thing works. I mean, Their class probably is not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, still, a lot of it's like number of guys you sign. It is. Right. There's there's definitely some bulk to it, some quantity, but that's what's important. You need depth in recruiting, and they, they don't have depth. And I uh, the other thing, I mean, you want to go sign on with a coach who's very much, you know, do or die this next year. Well, you got to you hope you get a good coach. You get a better coach, right? Right. It's kind of like your way in. This is who they're behind. (laughs) The next guy might not recruit me. Yeah. (laughs) They're behind South Carolina, Purdue, TCU, Kentucky, Michigan State, Virginia Tech, Cal, Minnesota, and Virginia. 
Like to me, USC's like there's a couple of these schools: Ohio State, Texas, um, you know, the Florida schools. Like you roll out of bed in a recruiting class, and you've got 15 good kids committed. Yeah, because yeah. you're just that school, right? You don't have to. It doesn't take a lot of work. You know, the kids are driving up from Orange County for junior day. They want to go there. Yeah. Okay, here we go. There's a couple kids at Modern Days, a couple kids at Westlake, a couple kids at Long Beach Poly. Boom, here's our team. Now we got to go out and decide whether we're going to be the 14th class or four. And that's where we got to fight for some players. And we maybe have to go to go to Texas or go eat. You know, Pete Carroll would grab kids all over the country. And bang, now you got your, you know, New Jersey or whatever. That's when you're good. But you never should be this you're USC. It's your Texas. Like the kids are just there. They want to come. You don't have to do anything. They grew up dreaming of playing for you. So there's no excuse to be sitting there with just 14 players. Now I get UCLA doesn't have that, but it shouldn't be both of them recruiting badly. At least according to the rivals thing is, is kind of tricky, but I don't know. And I think you'll, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're, if people are plucking uh, kids out of there, I have to look at that. But um, you know, it's, well, it's like, I mean, like you look at Notre Dame's roster; they've done pretty well in California. Um, done really well. They, I think they have fourteen you know. kids from there. Yeah, and that's, um, you know, and and that's that. But they've always done well. I mean, California's got a million kids. But right. uh, let me see. I'm going to look the top players from California right now, and this is where the Pac-12's entire. Um, Entire thing is done. All right. Undecided Oregon. Undecided kid from Folsom's going to Clemson. Are you kidding me? Wow. From Folsom, California. Wide receiver from the Folsom County Prison Blues, Clemson. (laughs) Westlake Oaks Christian, Michigan. Mm. Ryan Helinski. Oh, yeah. The big QB. South Carolina. Right. He's from Orange, California. He's going to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oregon's got the number nine player. Now we start getting to some Notre Dame's 15. Now, now we're into the pet. But there you go. So the top 10 kids, three of them are going to the Pac-12 right now. And I, I'm telling you, this is media and playoff. Yep. The kids, Two of the top eight players in California are going to the state of South Carolina. That's playoff and media. That's got to be yeah. unprecedented. Michigan's always done all right out there. Right. You know, yeah. We'll see where they these have. other guys but, go. But Clemson, South Carolina. I mean, that's like, whoa. Right. So they got to do a lot better than that. Um, all right. Here's a uh, – I thought it was kind of a fun story. Chantel Jennings of the Atlantic. The Athletic. Uh, I mean, not the Atlantic. The Athletic. <laughs> it be a little weird for the Atlantic to write this story. <laughs> Had a story about uh, home visits and coaches and how coaches get fat this time of year because they go on these <laughs> these recruiting visits, and the, so they'll be like at two a night, and they have and the parents make them dinner at each one, so they got to eat two dinners a night, and then one coach said the key is getting a second helpings. You got to act like mom's cooking is great, and then you got to have dessert because it's like grandma's famed, you know, banana custard pie recipe that was handed. Oh, this is the best. Mike Bellotti apparently once gained 25 pounds in one recruiting cycle. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think some IPAs had to be involved there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Like, See. that's, you know, there's only so much. Not, uh, not necessarily what they're eating at the family table. It's what they're eating and drinking when they get when they get back to the hotel. Yeah. So, yeah, this is these guys are crying about this. Um, uh, my favorite part of the story, however, is the note. Uh, so a lot of guys talked on the record, but not that many current. Bilotti, Lloyd Carr, Spurrier, like got the retired guys to talk. The current ones who talked, uh, Dan Hawkins, who's coaching UC Davis. I mean, this is yeah, that barely <laughs> counts. Barely yeah. counts. Matt um, Matt Rule talked because I texted Matt him and Rule busted talked. his chops uh, for not for like proudly not working out. Like, <laughs> yeah, he goes, I should work out, but if you saw me right now, you know I haven't been. And SMU coach Sonny Dykes. All the other coaches in here are anonymous. <laughs> Okay, like, oh, Mike Leach talked, of course. Yeah. Are you fat shaming uh, the anonymous coaches, Dan? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. Said one Pac-12 defensive co- coordinator, I'll make sure I don't bring my belt. With the belt off, the shirt and jacket go over just to give me a little extra room. Okay, and it goes on like that, ACC coordinator. First off, Pac-12 defensive coordinator, why are you anonymous, okay? <laughs> you can't put your name to this and laugh a little bit? This is not like the intricacies of the Mueller investigation. (laughs) What the hell is this off the record? College football is the biggest bunch of wimps. Here's a great one. You just power through one Big Ten offensive coordinator said, and then when you get off the road, you go on your cleanses. Makes you all sick as hell on the road, but it's sacrifice you'll make. When you get off the road, you try to do something that's at least a little bit healthy. You couldn't put your name to that quote? Controversial, very controversial quote, let me tell you. I hate football coaches. <laughs> what is this? Here's another. I try to make sure I get a good workout in the morning and just know I'm going to have to starve myself during Christmas season to get back to my weight, said an ACC offensive coordinator. Oh, my gosh. That good is God. That is pathetic. And, that you know, they're the most paranoid people I know other than Secret Service and CIA, and I don't really actually know any of those. So they're the most paranoid people I know, football coaches. Uh, do you feel bad that the coaches are getting fat this time of year? Are you just jealous that they're eating all these good dinners? <laughs> well, I will tell you this. From personal experience, coaches we had come into the house to, uh, to recruit our kids weren't very interested in eating. They didn't eat huh. very much. So... They wanted to talk. Uh, our big thing we we learned the hard way. Clayton had a couple of home visits before Brooke, and uh, we uh, we we served fajitas to one coach from Indiana, and those are just a mess. Those are hard to eat, so that was a bad idea. Uh, finger food, no, unless it's like really tidy finger food, and then. The best one we had the the coach from Alabama in for breakfast because he came over after morning workout and uh, we don't ha- we don't drink coffee but he's a coffee drinker so we're like borrowing a coffee pot and trying to make coffee and we don't even know how to make coffee and so we're serving him with coffee you? with like all the coffee grinds in the bottom of it and he's trying to <laughs> drink it without swallowing you know you didn't give him a forty four ounce polar pop pat <laughs> I could have done that I absolutely could have done that so we could have liquored him up put some put a little something a little something <laughs> little Merry Christmas in your coffee. Uh, we we didn't want him here that long, so wow. <laughs> I'm trying to we, we uh, Brooke is actually here. Brooke, what did we feed uh, 
Carol and Greg, do you know? The Texas and Stanford coaches that visited. Prosciutto and peas? There we go. All right. Yes, that was that was a good, simple, easy meal. Prosciutto and peas? Yeah, and pasta. Yep. That's very Stanford. Like, <laughs> you, you knew your target audience. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think that they they're getting that on the football. Yeah. <laughs> so I think different sports get different stuff. Like, like you know, like the gymnast, it's just going to be like some no carbs or something. You know, just some. <laughs> yeah. Gymnast, you get right? four pieces of lettuce. Or the wrestlers, like they got to wear a track suit for your meal. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> Wrestlers, gotta, you, you, gotta, gotta maintain weight here, coach. Home visits we don't in eat. a sauna. <laughs> Everybody purges <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. We'll all get on a get on our Peloton and ride it in the sauna. So we sweat this out. Uh, uh, yeah, different my, stuff. What do you I, think? I have no. I, I was not visited, nor have I had any visitors um, no. related to myself <laughs> or kin. But I do have a good home visit story. Uh, back when I worked in in Syracuse, I wrote this story in 1999. My God. Uh, when I worked at the uh, at the Post Standard, and this is the best home visit story ever. Like I don't think it can be topped. Uh, so Dave <laughs> Odom, uh, then a Virginia assistant, went to Rochester in 1983 to recruit a a guy named Tom Sheehy. Right. So and basketball. We're talking basketball. 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 Yeah, we went basketball. Sorry, we we shifted to basketball. Uh, so Dave Odom gives his pitch, and then he calls a cab go to the airport to fly back to uh, Charlottesville and the cab pulls up and hits and kills the Sheehy family dog <laughs> <laughs> which obviously isn't funny don't oh, want to make light it's kind of, of funny of the dog. well the dog would not still be alive by now that's true so that's true yeah, right. so Odom has to go back <laughs> to the house knock on the door and apologize to the Sheehy family for the cab Killing the family dog. Holy. So the kicker is Tom Sheehy still went to Virginia. Like, that's how good of a recruiter Dave Odom was. He killed Despite the dog. Killing the family dog. He still He's, got the guy. He still got Holy the Holy cow. How do you do that? I, I think I might have run and just tried to. Yeah. I. Right. No, I didn't see never show up no, and, I didn't see anything. No. Yeah. There'd be like another star player up there. Be like, we got to recruit Rochester High again. No, nah, nah, we're not <laughs> yeah. I'm not going. I don't there. go to Rochester. Never going back to the scene of the crime. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's an ultimate scruples moment, though. You're like, well, if I just get in the cab. <laughs> Someone else hit him. Yeah, right. I don't At know least what it was a cab, too. not him. Dave Odom, uh, to, to bring it current, father of uh, Ryan Odom, the uh, UMBC coach who orchestrated that uh, yeah. famous upset in uh, mm -hmm. of, of UVA, the first 16-1 upset ever. So, um, yeah, Tom Sheehy, that's an all-timer. One of my favorite ones was, uh, I, this is really not a huge punchline to it, but Jerry Tarkanian recruited a guy out of a juvenile detention hall in California once, a juvenile detention center. He had the home visit in the jail through the glass with the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Tark thing ever. <laughs> You're wrong, Dan. There was a punchline there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it actually got better. I, all right, I'll give you the punchline to it. So, <laughs> so the kid's in there, and he ends up. He's getting out, right? Obviously, so it's not much, <laughs> not worth much if he gets out. But he ends up. Um, he gets out, and then. Uh, he graduated. Uh, he got his GED at the prison, at the jail. And uh, so that summer, 
Um, he's all signed. He's coming to Vegas. That summer, there's a story in the paper. UNLV got a new uh, president. And he comes up with a new idea for UNLV, which back then really was not much of a school. So he says, we're going to offer um, free tuition, full scholarship to anyone in America who graduates as the valedictorian of their their school. Doesn't matter where you go to Las Vegas High School or you're from, uh, you know, New York, Boston, wherever, anywhere in America. If you're valedictorian, you get a free ride to Vegas. He's figured maybe some smart guys will get in here, want to come, free ride. So Tark and his staff decide, well, wait a minute now. They were joking. Well, well, this could be great. We could get a valedictorian, and then we wouldn't have to use an athletic scholarship. And, of course, they laugh. and go, we don't, we don't recruit valedictorians, none of our guys. <laughs> no. And then one of them goes, well, what about uh, Cliff, who was at the, got the GED at the El Paso de Robles uh, Juvenile Prison in, uh, in California? <laughs> they go, well – they don't, what if we just say he's the valedictorian? <laughs> so one of the assistants goes to the jail and meets with the guy who administers the, gen, the GED program. Says, hey, can we make Cliff the valedictorian of your class? <laughs> Guy's like, I don't have valedictorians of prison GED programs. He says, why not? So let's just say probably, you know, a couple bucks might exchange hands and Sure enough, this prison worker is like, hey, you want to name him valedictorian? <laughs> I mean, what's the harm, right? Yeah. So he drafts a little official letter. <laughs> so they bring it back to Vegas and they say, we have a guy here who's the valedictorian. He deserves a full academic scholarship and uh, not a um, not not. The, and then we can bring another dude in. Right. Not doesn't count against our, our max of uh, athletic. So even UNLV says, well, hold on a second now. <laughs> so they schedule a hearing to discuss this. Like a, they're going to have a little board. I don't know. Tribunal is going to make a ruling on this. Yeah, the so faculty say, Senate couldn't have been thrilled at this yeah, prospect. Yeah, this yeah. is this this whole plan is just cockamamie. <laughs> this is this is truly Jerry Tarkanian at his best. He's, you know, he's kind of breaking the rules, but not really. He's just figuring ways. He's just figuring stuff out. So I go, Tark, what, what happened? What was the ruling? He goes, ah, Cliff got, got busted boosting a car and got sent back in. We had to cancel the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hate when a great scam doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know whether that would – that's like one of our your diploma mill stories, Pete. I remember yeah. doing one of those. Like when they – the school – the diploma mills – we're like, we're going to homeschool. If you're, if you're homeschooled, you don't have to take the SAT or something. Yes. Or you so, don't have a core. There's no core requirements because you're homeschooled. Yeah. So, so like, we're going to homeschool everybody. Yeah. Like, do you guys have any books now? Well, the, like big, those- the big scam, and it still goes on, is the, to get everyone diagnosed learning disabled. So there's oh, just yeah. like some Absolutely. dude in Virginia who just like writes yeah. it off like, you know, like he's like an expert witness. Oh, yeah, he's learning right. disabled. And then yeah. you can get the SAT untimed to give like the kids an advantage. That was right. like one of the all time uh, one of the all time scams. So, yeah, the diploma uh, mills. There was some all time stories about those. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. a current basketball current basketball coach who uh, is uh, brags that he can get anybody labeled learning disabled. Test <laughs> there was a guy in dc back when it was minimum 700 mr 730 
Yes, yes. Who is no? Because you don't want the guy taking the fraudulent SAT to get like an eleven hundred, because it would be too much of a spike from the five eighty or whatever the baseline was. So you needed Mister Seven Hundred to just get you just a little nose over the threshold. So yeah, that guy lived in D.C. and in, in uh, it was was known for years as you know one of the most valuable uh, one of the most valuable assets to the that city's uh, basketball economy yeah and recruiting and what a way to make a living right what do you do for work <laughs> every week i take the sat for a different college and i get i get a 730 every yeah, time that's right. i get a 730 i look just vaguely young enough to pass for a high school guy <laughs> and i can go in and get a 730 on demand yeah i work i work just saturday mornings <laughs> hey hey can, can phil come to happy hour on friday no 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 not in the fall he's taking the sat Every Saturday. <laughs> I work 8 a.m. to noon on Saturdays with a number two pencil. I need to be fresh. I can't go below 700. <laughs> Mr. 730. <laughs> so good. All right. Uh, Florida International's special teams coach, James Volano, and his wife, Heather, are expecting a child. Uh, the Yahoo Sports College podcast uh, offers congratulations to them. By the way, James Volano is a loyal listener to the podcast. Uh, even better. Yeah. James, good stuff. Congratulations. Um, they decided to do a gender reveal. And they did it by having the FIU kicker boot a football filled with colored powder. Uh, and the ball, this is like a mini football, and it blew up, and it was pink. So they have a girl coming. So congratulations on that. It was very creative. Uh, it was a good little viral video. Uh, our, our our great Nick Bromberg had a terrific story on it with a terrific lead. Yeah. The kick is up, and it's a girl. <laughs> great lead. Um, what's that? It was a great lead. I great lead. Smile. Great yep. lead. Now, this did not look like a party. This just looked like something they did before practice. So I have no problem with the... Uh, with this gender reveal. However, <laughs> I am staunchly opposed to gender reveal parties. Okay. Now I did not have the gender reveal parties when I, we had gender, when we were, we had our children. I'm stunned. Uh, <clears throat> they were, but it was not a thing. No, we I weren't going to do it anyway. I, I would have held firm, <laughs> but, we did not have this. I believe this is just an Instagram show-off thing, okay, because you have to show everything off. But there is no need for a gender reveal party, nor it's also awful and evil cousin, the co-ed baby shower. <laughs> They've got those now? Now that's a, oh, yeah. oh, His that's and a her. terrible idea. Okay, my, my, young, my younger brothers out there who have got to you know they're going through their 20s and it's all of a sudden here you are getting sucked into a vortex of awfulness <laughs> you have to go nobody wants to go to anyone's baby shower no no dude no if you do that's your thing but you should not have to go it's just because you're whoever you're dating right her friend got knocked up doesn't mean you should have to spend your saturday it's a god-awful baby shower Watch it. Oh, matching little uh, onesies. <laughs> uh, right. And now they throw this extra weekend on where you got to go watch and figure out what's a boy or girl. You don't care. I have like 
friends of mine from high school, friends, lifelong friends. My wife, and I, how many, how many kids that guy? Ah, like two, three. I don't know. Like, you know, are they boys. I think there's a boy in there. I don't know. I have no idea who they even are. I don't care. I do not want to go to your party. No. Okay. Cause those parties always suck. It's like, there's like, there's like five guys. And then like the, the mom will buy like one six pack of beer for all of you. You know, like what the hell are we going to do with this? Yeah, we can't have more than that. <laughs> We're here to celebrate the baby. Oh, those things can't are the be worst. Getting, why you want to get drunk at, the, at a baby shower? That's not well. You're right. Let me tell you why. A lot of things have improved in America. Many things over the years. This is not. Think about what our grandparents got to do. The those guys, our grandfathers, they would find out there was a baby even born. <laughs> They would be at a bar. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Right. They'd call from the hospital to the bar and say, your wife just had a daughter. And go, hey, round of drinks on me. I'll buy everyone a cigar. That's what they got to do. Now these young guys got to be going to baby reveals and baby showers. It's not even your baby. It's your girlfriend or wife's friend. This is an awful trend. It's terrible. I'm with you 100%. One of the worst. I thought you would be Pat Forty. What do you got? It <laughs> is. It's it's setting our society back. I'm uh, I'm 100 percent opposed to the entire notion. Uh, but that's you know you're right. It used to be yeah. Hey, you know you may want to come to the come to the emergency room or the delivery room. Your wife's getting ready to have a baby or she just had one. And then it became okay. No, you're gonna you're gonna go to Lamaze classes and you're gonna go you're gonna be in there when the baby's born. And now yeah, you got to be part of some ridiculous announcement it's a boy it's a girl look none of your friends care it's just the one it's a very simple it's an eight second question having a boy or girl girl okay great move on we're on hey did you see the giants play yesterday (laughs) nobody cares what baby you're having until you have the baby then you buy it some little gift or more appropriately you have somebody else buy it the gift so you don't have to mess with it terrible it's it's one thing if it's your baby yeah right but it's okay okay you want to know your friend's baby, and it's usually not your friend. It's just all some, oh, you know, right. Leslie at work. She's having, I don't care what Leslie and her husband are doing. All I'm going to contribute to this, because I clearly can't match the vitriol just spewed by Dan and Pat, is that Have I you did- had to go to one of these, Pete? No, God, no. Like, <laughs> no. Pete, Pete yeah. has managed to not not have children or get married. I think you really have a, a, a really good strategy here, by the way. I mean, would they show Excellent. the camellia bowl at these parties? I don't think so. No. <laughs> Hell See? no. No, that's the big problem with the parties. If it's I'm a pro, reason to I'm watch pro, football. pro camellia bowl, anti-party. If, if, the, if the baby shower was at Buffalo Wild Wings, I could go for it, but it never is. You're not catching me at one of these things. I'll... Pete, can you go defend ahead, this practice at all? No. Of course okay. not. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I've obviously, yeah, uh, I've avoided a lot of adult responsibility for a long time for very this very reason. I don't want to do these things. All right, good. We're in unanimity on this issue. Yeah, no gender reveal parties. 
No co-ed baby showers. No. There's uh, in my condo building. There's like one retail uh, spot, like on the on the ground floor. So when I moved in, the building was new, and I was like, oh, maybe it'll be a coffee shop, or maybe it'll be a bar, or maybe it'll be whatever. No, it's like a stationary like store that provides products for baby real parties. Basically, is what Come it should on. be. And it's just Come like the on. single worst thing to have on your block. And so all all day when I'm like walking around and like going to get the newspaper or do whatever I do during the day, I just see like these like couples like filing in to get like expensive stationery for like baby reveal party invitations and i'm just like oh i would imagine the guy looks stricken every time when the yeah guy walks yeah in. yeah no there's there's some pain it's i walk by and i'm like you want to be watching the camellia bowl don't you sucker <laughs> oh you know those things are overpriced oh <laughs> i also have to just say what the hell happened to south boston that they have this Thank yeah God. no no what a the way I sum up South Boston modern now is that uh, the triple O was the bar that Whitey Bulger would like run his whole awful operation yeah. out of on, on like the top floor at an office. And now the triple O at last check was a like charcuterie bar flanked by a yoga studio and a sushi house. South Boston. Oh, has my. Changed. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. Gentrified. Indeed. Very gentrified. Indeed. Yeah. I, I saw something. uh, uh in D.C., they're opening because D.C. is so gentrified yet trying to be real. Mm. Uh, they're opening a bar that's literally called Dive. <laughs> it's like a faux dive bar. Yeah, right. Right. You can't just have a, a dive bar. Apparently, No, it's like, it's, it's not hard to have a dive bar. Yeah. Right? And you know what? They'll serve Pabst Blue Ribbon in there for like eight fifty a can and the hipsters will drink it thinking they're being real. And it'll annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> this will be titled the Get Off My Lawn podcast. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm down. I, 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 unassailable that they, we should get rid of gender reveal part. And then everyone, like, I just see the videos because I have never been to one. But everyone gets all excited. Like, there's only two choices. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like when you go play bingo with your grandparents. Like, right. eventually somebody's going to win. I mean, like. <laughs> It's really not that exciting. It's like boy or girl, boy or girl. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Imagine that. What were the odds? Uh, 50, 50. So I'm just not, not, not excited about it. All right. That's our podcast. I got nothing. I got to go to a gender reveal party. <laughs>